We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by Blue R Podcast Network. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always, uh, here and present. Still on vacation, so apologies for the lack of a background and, and a little poor audio quality, but it is what it is. Happy to be here with my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I'm doing about as well as I was 25 minutes ago when we saw each other. Uh, we had Korean barbecue with Arjun, uh, but something's missing, so here we go. Got the sailor hat on. Um, I hate it. It's ugly. Um, I really don't want to wear it, but I'm going to wear it for like five minutes, let it ride, and uh, you know, get my money's worth out of this. But I feel like, well, like I don't know, like Pirate Mario or something. I don't know. Well, it fits with this shirt. Good job on the shirt. Yeah. Out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Not my, uh, not my favorite use of $30 or whatever. Um you know, I got to have everything, apparently. Was that on the Charger site, or where'd you find that at? Someone posted an ad of it. It's through FOCO, which stands for whatever it does. Um, I bought a couple of things, I think, from there before, maybe even this shirt. Um, but they got a couple of things, and yeah, so I had to get it because it was ugly. Um, I have a lot of ugly things. Um, so yeah, I had to get this. I think I'll wear it. There's no good way to wear something this ugly and loud, but uh, here we are. Yeah, you've certainly cornered the market on ugly chargers gear, I guess. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I got <laughs> I got to provide something to the channel, some sort of value. So, 
Um, but yeah, we just had, like Tyler said, had lunch with Arjun at a Korean barbecue place. It was uh, great to catch up with him. Um, we talked a lot of uh, ball, a lot of life. And I think uh, from a football standpoint, we'll definitely not share anything that we talked about, but just another uh, affirmation that uh, people in the league definitely have way more access to information than we do. Uh, apologies if there, you can hear the construction going on next door. Um, but yeah, Arjun was sharing us all the access that he has working in the NFL now. And, uh, it's, it's a lot more than we have in, in the public sphere. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, can't hear the construction next door. Can't hear it over this loud hat, but yes, it was nice to go out with uh, Arjun, <laughs> have some lunch with him. Your first time having Korean barbecue. We didn't exactly have a varied menu today. It was just pretty much the, the two things, but still good. Good to hang out. Yeah, it was uh, pretty much uh, beef and rice, and I'm cool with it. Yeah, that's that's it what I eat anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, no difference there. Wow, they really have construction. No, I, I can hear the construction now. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. It's not a problem. Our, our next door neighbor here in Newport is a resident, and he mm. is uh, getting new countertops in and everything. So, there's there's a lot going on next door. Nope, there you go. Bad. That's not as bad. No, that that's normal. horrendous. That's even worse. <laughs> Tyler is the captain now. Yes, that is accurate. Yeah, something like that. Man, they're really going at it right now. Um, okay, so today, kind of a, a low-key show, kind of a casual show. We're going to talk a little bit about training camp, um, and then we're here uh, just to do a, a Q&A. So if you have some questions, uh, off-season questions that you feel like you'd like to get answered, you know, this is uh, this is your chance. So um, you guys can start firing away, firing away at any time. If you have a super chat, that would be uh, much appreciated as always. So um, just real quick, we figured we'd run down the schedule just kind of of training camp, um, obviously starting Wednesday, July 26th. So we're a little over a month away, actually, from the start of training camp, which is fantastic. Uh, cannot wait for the start of that going on. Uh, and then uh, really the biggest, the big weekend uh, is Saturday, July 29th. That's when the NFL always does like the back together stuff. Uh, first padded practice for the Chargers is July 31st. Um, they have a nighttime practice on Sunday, August 6th uh, from 5 to 7. I assume that's going to be their first scrimmage. Um, we'll see when more details come out about that, but that's usually how the kind of the time frame works for them. Um, and then they have joint practices with the Saints on Thursday, August 17th and Friday, August 18th before their preseason game. So Tyler, any, uh, thoughts now that we have the official schedule for training camp it's almost perfect because it starts before i start teaching plenty of good days in there you know you'll be down there for a weekend so i'll be able to see most of these attend most of these last year you guys like ate up the coverage for this so i'll try to at least once a day get that you know recap of the day sort of thing although you know wednesday thursday really until they put pads on it's just us going oh wow look at the throws um, but eventually it'll get a bit more intense and we can really look at the trench guys. Uh, the real bummer is the 17th and 18th because I don't know who is available from 9 to 11 a.m. on a Thursday and Friday unless you can take days off, which is awesome. I won't be. I'll be teaching. So unfortunately, <laughs> the only downside to the job is I have to work Monday through Friday from, you know, 8-ish to 3. Um, but otherwise, it seems great. That, that Sunday scrimmage last year was so much fun. Um, I know they didn't have like everybody's super healthy and i don't think herbert got a ton of work last year um so we'll see what happens this year but i can't wait to watch that scrimmage because 
that kind of felt like when we started to really notice, like, um, I think Alohi Gilman had a couple of plays. I know DeAndre Carter had a couple of plays. So we'll really get yeah. to see what this offense looks like. Um, because for the most part, at least like with the first like two thirds of practice, until they got to red zone, the defense was really limiting the or Justin Herbert in the offense, which I guess was a sign of things to come. So I can't wait to see what this new offense looks like, you know, more versus Staley. Yeah, you know, the, the first few days of training camp practices are really just kind of a warm up for the rest of the uh, schedule. You know, like the first couple days, they practice on the Wednesday and Thursday. It's going to be pretty similar to like what they were doing at minicamp, although there's going to be more like intense. So it, it's all part of a ramp up pro, uh, program, I guess you could say. That's kind of the key difference I've noticed about Brandon Staley is that this is very planned to like, you know, be an, a, a small climb into the season as opposed to, I remember Anthony Lynn uh, having padded practice like the very first week of training camp. And, you know, he was very old school in that regard. Uh, Brandon Staley is a bit more a believer of like, let's, let's gradually uh, dive into this whole process. So um, the first couple of days, I don't think are going to be much, you know, the, the first Saturday, they'll definitely have, a lot of vertical passes planned to get fans hyped up and things like that. It's what it was like last year. Um, and then padded practices the first week, which is the Monday, the, the Monday of the second week. That's really when we'll start to get mm -hmm. like real impressions of where people are at um, after the spring and summer and things like that. Yeah. I think last year, some people are asking about who the standouts, who the, the darlings are going to be. I think pretty early it was Bandy and Fajoko last year both uh not on the team this year um really barely even played last year to begin with so you know hopefully we get something that's you know substantial i mean even heck even the previous year tyron johnson was the camp darling for a third of it and then he was cut so yeah there it is alex right on time right on time alex we're all living this uh sadness together the annual tyron johnson saturday uh but the people asking about the scrimmage technically they didn't say that Sunday was the scrimmage, but it's the only yeah. nighttime one that they have. And it's generally been an evening thing. So I'm going to guess that's what it is. Although I don't remember it being ever on a Sunday, but it's fine. Yeah, it might not be like an official scrimmage per se, but they always like to do kind of a nighttime practice. Um, you know, that's, that's, I feel like usually when they do a scrimmage, I don't know if it, like I said, if it's usually been on Sunday before, but um i would i would guess that that's when it is you know they have a non-padded practice on august 5th and then they have sunday august 6th and then the next practice isn't until wednesday again on august 9th so um that to me kind of indicates that hey like we're gonna go all out on this sunday practice and then we'll mm. give you guys some some time off um so that that's just me making mm. an assumption of based off of like the schedule of how they've been in the past versus like an official notice, but um, I don't know if we'll get official notice at any point up until probably a few weeks prior. Yeah, then so that that Sunday would be the last um, Sunday, I guess, or weekend before the preseason, right? So it almost kind of has to be the scrimmage because then they play yeah. whoever, and then the following week they play the. I think at the Rams there are the Rams are the first one, so you get Sunday probably scrimmage, and then Wednesday Thursday. And then I think this first preseason game against the Rams is August 12th, uh, Saturday, mm. if I'm not mm. mistaken. And then they do Monday, Thursday, Friday against the Saints, Sunday preseason game against the Saints, and then kind of regular practices after that leading into the final 
week of the preseason. Is this the year that they have one home preseason game? Well, like home preseason game? Because um, Rams is, you know, it always alternates, but it just depends on how many season tickets, how many, I get season tickets, so I'm curious which games uh, I have tickets to already. Because they had the extra yeah, game. So, so week one of preseason, Saturday, August 12th, that's at the Los Angeles Rams. So okay, uh, home against the Saints and then at the Niners on August 25th. So do we have an extra home game this year at regular season? Because I know it alternates. I'm pretty sure. I wonder who that is. The Bears or something? I don't know. Yeah, nine home games this year. Yes, I would yes, I would be dying for a training camp booth. Um that'd be hilarious (laughs) and amazing and fantastic, but we'll see. The Cowboys are the extra game this year. Okay. Well, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, joint practices against the Saints. Going to be very interesting. You know, Derek Carr coming back out here. You know, in when Anthony Lynn was here, there were so many connections to the Saints because obviously him and Sean Payton were very, very close with each other. Um, not as close anymore with, with the Saints regime, but, you know, um, should be a lot of fun. The, the Saints have... Uh, some very interesting pieces that I think are present some challenges across the board for some Chargers players. Obviously, you're talking about Cam Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Marcus Lattimore is still there. You know, they still have a really quality defense. And then on offense, you're talking about Alvin Kamara. You're talking about uh, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave. So it, it, it should be fun. It should be a, a fun joint practice. The Saints are kind of known to be more physical than some other teams and practices, shall we say. Um, so hopefully that's not an issue this year because the Chargers have generally been a very uh, low-key joint practice team under Brandon Staley, which has been uh, fun to see. Yeah, really curious to see where someone like Chris Olave would play this year. I know last year is like a third of the time in the slot. Really curious where he'd go up against this year because I really do want to see someone outside of the Chargers group challenge, you know, Jaw Taylor. I'll start to Samuel Jr., whoever the slot guy ends up being. So that'd be fun. And yeah, I, I hope uh, we talked about it a couple of times at lunch, but yeah, Trevor Penning versus you know Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa. Like you, you try to do that against Khalil Mack, any of that extra stuff, and you'll be working their Randy's Donuts drive through down the street on Harbor. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, you know, in these practices, obviously, you're not going to be able to hit the quarterbacks. So. You know, there, there's not going to be yeah. a lot of hitting on Justin Herbert or uh, Derek Carr by any means, but uh, yeah, it should be fun. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll dive into some questions here. So like I said, if you guys have any questions, feel free to send them in. Uh, I have, We've got probably about a half hour of questions, um, and then uh, we'll head out for this evening. So uh, before we get started, obviously have to shout out our previous show on the Chargers feed. Sean Syed of Sumer Sports joined us was a fantastic uh, episode for us. We really enjoyed uh, conversing with him and learning a lot about the Kellen Moore offense and how things can kind of work uh, in that regard going forward and had a, had a blast with that. Uh, Tyler, any thoughts from you about uh, what we were able to kind of talk about with Sean Syed? Just getting excited about this idea that, you know, hey, I'm going to, the Chargers would show the same thing and then run the same thing it felt like. And yes, there's a lot that goes into that, right? Injuries, Herbert being hurt, offensive line, the play caller, obviously. Um, but with, with with Kellen Moore, and even we just saw a brief bit of it, it was clear that 
yeah, we'll show you the same thing, but it could be four different things. And you could just see like it wasn't that they ran stick, is that they ran stick, or the Cowboys did, but found the spacing and the right way to get matchups to get the person open on stick. So you didn't just see them get stick and go down, like get the catch and go down. You saw the receiver, tight end, whoever, be able to get the ball and go upfield. I think you saw like CeeDee Lamb, I think the tight end as well, have another few yards to get after the catch because the spacing was so much better. So even just minor details like that, and you're, you're thinking of, you know, whoever it is, let's say it's Quentin Johnson runs stick, but he's, you know, significantly more open. Now you have him on a yak play. Fantastic. Um, they also just showed some of the stuff they did do with Lombardi in 2020. Like people do forget there were very good things in 2021 from the Lombardi offense. It just plummeted last year. Um, but there were so many good things and that included, you know, the sale concept that he talked about, sale drive and how Keenan Allen would work, you know, to the boundary. And that Keenan Allen's fantastic at that. I think it's what he's better at than anything else. He's admitted that his best route, like he thinks his best route is faking the deep over and then cutting back out. So him working to the boundary on and out on a corner, et cetera, is fantastic because Herbert can hit those difficult throws. No problem. Plenty of trust in Keenan Allen. Now you have somebody, you know, like Kellen Moore who will dial it up consistently. You know, if you don't have Jalen Guyton out there right now, you do have someone, you know, on the boundary like Quentin Johnson who can run deep, Mike Williams, et cetera. So, it just feels better. It looks better. And this is probably the best skill group I think Kellen Moore has had. We'll see. Like maybe if you compare this three to the current Cowboys three, you could maybe see the Cowboys have a better three. Um, but he hasn't had Cooks. He didn't have Cooks last year. Now he's got Quinton Johnson. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think like the more that I sit and learn and listen about Kellen Moore's offense, it's just, you know, <laughs> kind of stoking the flames a little bit of, of the offseason excitement, although we've talked a lot about, you know, buying or selling the Kellen Moore hype. And I think we have a, enough of a proven track record with him to be very optimistic about the offense. And so just the ability that Kellen Moore has to kind of set things up throughout the game, I think will be able to will be a, a pretty strong difference from what Joe Lombardi was was doing on a week to week basis. And then, like you talked about, just being able to adapt based off of who they're playing, based off of who the Chargers have on the roster that week. I think is going to be a big advantage as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we uh, get started with some of these questions, we actually do have a new sponsor for you guys. Uh, the new sponsor is called Caldera Lab. Um, this is a men's skincare line. Uh, I've actually been using their uh, daily moisturizer on, on a weekly basis, and, and their stuff is really good. Tony Gonzalez is interested, is a brand ambassador for this program as well. So, um, really strong recommendations behind Caldera Lab. Um, you know, this is backed by a leading clinical trial where nine out of 10 men actually experience healthier and more visibly improved skin. Caldera Lab has the tools to unlock your best first impression and confidence. Today, we have an exclusive offer for our audience so you can try for yourself why so many other men, including myself and Tyler, trust Caldera Lab for their skincare needs. So, uh, if you head over to calderalab.com, use the code GUILTY at checkout. That's G-U-I-L-T-Y in all caps at calderalab.com. You get 20% off their best skincare products. So uh, never thought we'd be talking about skincare on the podcast, but it is what it is. They reached out to us. They made great stuff. And I uh, hope you guys check it out. Yeah, don't tell my fiance it's a men's uh, skincare product because as soon as I got it, I broke it out like, <laughs> hey, hun, you know, we've got new uh, product to work with. It's excellent. You know, I've got the the nighttime one, the cleanser, the one, the eye serum and stuff like that. And um, 
yeah, it got stolen from me basically. So I have used it. I, I do use it, but my fiance certainly took that in an instant. So yeah, it's great stuff. Smells great. Feels great. It's awesome. We love it. And I'm happy to promote it. Yeah. Same thing here. My wife hijacked the, the, uh, eye serum immediately. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, it is what it is and they make great stuff. So definitely check it out. As Alex said, a big skincare guys for sure. Appreciate them uh, reaching out to us. Um, been a great partner already and we're excited to uh, move forward with them. Mm-hmm. All right. So as I said, uh, super chats greatly appreciated, but not necessary. Um, so we'll get to some of these questions here. Uh, first and foremost, there was a question earlier that I wanted to get to. Okay, so lots of uh, topic, uh, lots of conversation about Mr. Gerald Everett and the Chargers uh, tight end room in general here. Big Buddha wants to know, what do y'all think about Everett? Think he'll be a top tight end this year? Um, I think he was pretty consensus top 10 last year, Tyler. Um, But what do you make of him heading into, at least in terms of receiving production, um, what do you make right. of him heading into 2023? Again, there's more targets, you know, for Justin Herbert, potentially more throwing in general. So what, what do you think of Jared Everett's production heading into 2023? I'm hoping just for more consistency because and part of that's self-inflicted, right? We, we've seen the drops. It's been a thing for the tight ends, you know, Jared Everett or Jared Cook or whoever. So I think that needs to be fixed. But it also just felt like in some games, there was just no plan for Gerald Everett, which is a bit of a surprise because – you felt in many moments, you know, as early as like the Houston Texans game where he was in the slot, caught a touchdown, um, working after the catch. We just saw most recently against the Jaguars. There's so much that he can do. And it just felt like in some ways they got away from him, even though I guess there were some injuries sprinkled in there. But it felt like everybody else was getting hurt and Gerald Everett was at least still on the field. And there really was no plan to lean into him. Not that he's your best weapon on the field, but at the time last year, it felt like he was their most consistent threat. I think for the first like six or seven weeks, it was consistent, good production from him. And then they just kind of went away from it. So, you know, I don't know what his ceiling really is. Like, I don't think he'll break the top five just because those tight ends that are in that top five are just spectacular. Like we're not going to expect 1400 yards, 1200 yards from Gerald Everett this year. That just wouldn't really make any sense. And I do think Quentin Johnson takes away from some of what Gerald Everett can do, uh, or at least his snaps and his, his, his targets. I think Donald Parham obviously can take away from that. So we'll see what, what I'm looking for more than anything else. You know, if he finishes top eight, top seven, top nine, I don't really care. I just want to see a consistency. So every week, can you be, you know, a threat that's relied upon? Can you get 40 yards, you know, 50 yards a game, 35 yards and a touchdown or something? Just be consistent. That's kind of on him, but it's also on the play caller. Yeah, I think, you know, like the the playoff game is, is you know, a great uh, measuring stick of what he is capable of. Cause I mean, there were parts of that playoff game where he was, he was carrying the offense by himself, you know, and he was really at one point, the only re- positive receiving threat that Justin Herbert had in that game. So that's, that's certainly part of it. Um, you know, the Jaguars defense was very focused in on, uh, you know, stopping Keenan Allen and preventing him from, you know, being Keenan Allen. But, um, so last season, we talked a little bit about this previously, but uh, when we were ranking the, the or tiering the starters, but you know, he was 10th in receptions last year among all tight ends. He was ninth in receiving yards. He had five touchdowns, which was uh, tied for ninth with a, with a bunch of other uh, 
positive tight ends in terms of yards after catch per reception. That was kind of his calling card. He was tied for sixth in that regard. Uh, yards per route run, he was 15th. So that that's a little bit more, you know, weighted because there are other tight ends who don't get as many targets. But I think he's right around that top 10 to 12 range if you want to, like, be positive about him. It's just, like, where can his game take him? I don't know that there's really much room for him to improve upon that ranking. So, like you said, more consistency, I think, would be great in terms of his usage, in terms of his uh, production. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't say the drop passes are necessarily a problem. Like, it's not something that I think hinders him from being a quality football player, but it is kind of – does kind of pop up in, in poor moments, like against the Falcons game in the second half. That was a really bad one. Yeah. Um, I want to say against the 49ers there was another one. Um, so just being able to be more reliable in those instances and because and, was, it was a lot of third down drops, I feel like, too. So um, just some slight improvement, I think, would be huge for him. Yeah, really curious to see how Kelly Moore uses him because there's like, I guess, all offensive coordinators, but even just watching it with, you know, the, the offense with Sean the other day, there was such a reliance on on some of these plays like you, you do need someone who can stay in and block, whether it's just, you know, at the line of scrimmage, working behind the line of scrimmage, et cetera. So hopefully they, they do trust him enough to get that done. And I, I guess they do because they haven't added a tight end. Um, and he's their tight end one. And it's pretty well, – I guess like my, my mother question would be like, well, how are you feeling about Donald Parham this year? Because there's been this like yeah. surge for him to be pushed towards this like like tight end 1B. You're like he could take over as the tight end. And the talent is totally there. It's just, it's just never materialized for him. You know, Do you feel like he jumps up this year? Or do we just know where he is at this point, honestly? I feel like what we saw in 2021 is probably his peak. Um, but I think that's a very useful quality football player. And the Chargers yeah. need that kind of player because he was their best blocking tight end in 2021. Um, and I think he has become a, a pretty solid option in that regard. Um, whether or not he's able to stay healthy, we'll see. Um, I, I think one thing that Sean kind of pointed out, too, is that you know, Keller Moore is not afraid to use a six offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't feel like they have as big of a need at blocking tight end because they have the ability to plug in Jordan McFadden or will clap in as a six offensive lineman and just be able to use them in that regard. Um, so we'll see about that one. But I, I'm, I feel good about Everett and Parham, honestly, in terms of if they're on the field, I think that's a really good, really solid one two punch at tight end. Yeah. It's really just like, almost a similar conversation at safety where it's mm. like, you have a good one, two punch. Obviously Everett is not Derwin James, but um, you just want more depth at that position more than anything else, as opposed to like needing a, an upgrade at starter, which is why, you know, we kind of wanted them to draft somebody at some point. Cause that yeah. person could at least be tight end three and you feel good about that depth, but uh, we'll see if they change anything. Yeah. I do really love that point about they're not afraid to just throw in a sixth offensive lineman rather than a tight end. Because yeah, like McFadden can move and he can block, and he's also a lineman. Like he he's a blocker by by trade by nature. So yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah, I think in McFadden's case too, that also gives him more snaps, more experience. You can get him on the field earlier. Yeah, maybe kind of expedite the development process there. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie Dale asked about um, practices and the structure. Eagles apparently practice for forty five minutes. I don't know if Alex can confirm that. Interesting. Um, and he says that they were one of the healthiest teams in the league, which is true, but that has changed. They were a very injured team as of like two years ago. Um, in terms of the Chargers practice structure, 
what can you speak on what from what you've seen under Brandon Staley in your experiences going to training camp in terms of like how what percentage of time is spent here how long does it ultimately last that kind of that kind of stuff yeah generally so like they'll list the two hour period nine to eleven or whatever it is I've never seen them go for the full two hours I think last year they did everything about an hour and a half um I don't know if Eddie's when Eddie's talking about 45 minute practices I'm curious if he's talking about like actual plays being run sort of practice and, and drills or are we including warm-ups with that so the it's tough to say with Brandon Staley because the previous year with Swinton, they would go, you know, warm-ups, you know, 30 minutes or whatever it was, stretches, et cetera. And then they would run special teams like 60, 70% of the practice was just them doing special teams things. And the offense really barely saw the field. The defense didn't really see, barely see the field. Um, and that changed dramatically under Ryan Ficken where it felt like they just got their stuff done pretty quick and the offense and defense had more time out there. So I really don't even know what they're going to do this year. Obviously, they still have Ficken, so I'm guessing it's going to lean towards more what it was last year where, you know, hour and a half practice, 45 minutes of, you know, drills, warm-ups, stretching, et cetera, and then just a really strong, like, you know, 30 minutes of, um, like, seven-on-seven stuff, and then maybe, like, 15 minutes of, you know, full team versus team. Yeah, so the, like I mentioned earlier, the Brandon City is not going to like, you know, put his guys out there at risk. Like we've never really seen him be like, let's go out there and have like a super difficult practice and just kind of like wear these guys out. Like there's still some people around the league that do that. Um, weirdly enough, like Andy Reid has notoriously difficult training camp practices. Um, so it, it just kind of depends on on what you are able to kind of pull with your guys and how much you really want to push them. So. We've seen guys like Brandon Staley kind of lean more into let's get a lot of mental reps, let's work on our conditioning, let's hit every once in a while, and let's just try and get to the season healthy. So um, yeah, this is obviously Staley's third year as head coach. We've seen them have a very healthy team in 2021. We've seen him have an injured team in 2022. So this is really where we're going to see what his strategies are like in terms of uh, injury prevention and recovery mm-hmm. and rehabilitation. Uh, and really kind of gauge where his regime is at in terms of player health. Yeah, and then we have new you know, head athletic trainer, another promotion or hire somewhere else in there as well. 2021, we're still going through some COVID protocol stuff. So uh, it's really tough to gauge overall, but I don't think they spend yeah. a whole lot. Of, it's not like the, I think it was like the Detroit Lions where they just gas themselves and run and run and run. <laughs> and there's a like sled yeah. pushing day or whatever. There's never really any like day where it's like, oh, here's the sled pushing, you know, tough day or whatever. Although not that I see every camp, um, but I never heard anything like that for them. No, no. Practices were definitely more difficult under Anthony Lynn. That I can say for sure. Um, okay, next question here from uh, LD Bruin. He says, do you think Herbert's new hire release is due to Moore or Doug or maybe his private quarterback coach he worked with pre-draft? What do you make of the uh, hire release that people are talking about for Justin Herbert? Yeah, I, I just feel like I need to see him in pads against another defense, yeah, or just or just the defense, um, to really get a, a kind of sense. But I mean, for one, the ribs aren't fractured. Um, I don't know how much that I know if it's the torn labrum wasn't in his throwing arm, but I'm curious how much that limits just motion in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's obviously that, and then just the, the the direction, not the direction, the distance that he's throwing these footballs is different so the launch point i think just naturally has to change because it's not a four yard hitch it's, i mean sometimes it can be sure 
Um, but when you see him launching the ball down the field more, so I almost just feel like naturally, regardless of, of any of this coordinator or not, like it has to change. So I think it's just a combination of everything. He's healthier. Um, the offense is different. Like literally the size of the players that he's throwing to is different. So, you know, we'll definitely see, I think, more when he's actually in pads. Yeah, I think the difference is more noticeable because of the rib injury. Like you really see him after the rib injury kind of duck it a little bit more and it, it's more kind of a sidearm. Like it's definitely more noticeable this past season. But I think if you go back and watch 2021 stuff, it's it's not that different than what we're seeing now in practice. So like you said, it, it's a combination of health. It's a combination of coaching, of, of where the passes are going. Um, you know, that that's another thing that people should be excited about with what Sean Syed was, was talking about is, is defenses not being able to super key in on the Chargers running short passing game concepts should mean the bad passes for Justin Herbert come down. And along with the higher release, that should definitely help solve some things as well. But I, I think, like you said, it's just a combination of everything. I'm sure Kellen Moore has had something to do with it, mm-hmm. um, but Herbert's also healthier now. Like it, it's definitely not yeah. as noticeable than it was before. I'm sure he'll be asked about it 32 times. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, I don't think they've actually asked about it yet. This of course point not. Yet. Of course not. So, uh, um, Brandon Arias wants to know, how is Kendrick's leadership going to be an important role when it comes to disguising the defensive plays that Staley wants to run? So um, I think this is a really good question. We've talked a lot about Eric Kendricks on this show. You're we talking about Eric, Eric Kendricks at lunch with Arjun. Um, you know, so this, this is something that's going to be really interesting to see his influence because Brandon Staley has talked about one of the reasons they wanted to go get Eric Hendricks is, is because of his leadership, because of his communication, because of how familiar he is with the, with the defense, they kind of want to run the structure of everything. Um, you know, we saw obviously Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White both have career seasons in this defense, not being necessarily valued at a higher level. So what do you think maybe is, is kind of the more optimistic outlook of, of Eric Hendricks and his influence on this defense? If I'm comparing it to at least the difference in Kendricks and maybe the last two years for linebackers, I don't even know that it's going to be like him as much as at this point, I think, especially after today's conversation, um, I think it'll be more the ripple effect he has on the players around him. And we talked like he's asking about leadership. I think that maybe matters more. So it, with Kenneth Murray, you know, I think 
like someone like Kaiser White the previous year, Drew Trinkle last year. These guys are trying to figure out how to play football as a starter. And like that was their year. That was really their only year where they really got to start and learn what they were doing and field calls, read the defense. Guys are hurt around them, so they're trying to do different things. Whereas I think Kendricks, he's been there, done that. He's had somebody next to him or by himself or whatever for so many years that I think that he can kind of teach on the fly, you know, call things out, point things out. And I think really that's what it comes down to. Um, I think the ripple effect on someone like Kenneth Murray, if he's a quarter of a second faster uh, up to something, that'd be great. If if Kendricks can say something to Derwin James and say, hey, look for this, whatever. You know, I think that's more of the effect here. And so, I mean, it's, it's positive. Um, in terms of the ripple effect, we'll see about the actual like individual play. Yeah, I think because I never felt like the Chargers had any kind of like alignment issues. Mm. Um, I mean, Drew Tranquil, Kaiser White, both very smart players. I mean, Derwin James was the play caller in 2021. So I, I'm curious exactly like what Brandon Staley felt like needed to be changed. I mean, we'll never know. But um, I think one of the biggest things that Eric Kendricks can bring to this table is is his ability to properly diagnose things faster and kind of bring that part out of the other linebackers in the room, um, you know, because uh, just of his ability to study def- study offenses, you know, study keys and diagnosing um, instincts, I think are just something that needs to be improved in that room. So um, we probably won't really know about this and for, half the season and see what Eric Hendricks is really kind of doing on a date on a game to game basis, but he's going to call plays for this defense. Mm. You know, he's already made big impression on Derwin on Kenneth Murray. So um, everything's kind of positive right now, but everything was very positive for Thomas Davis too. in, in that stretch when I signed him in the spring and summer, and then uh, just was, was not a great uh, match on the field. So we'll yeah. have to wait and see for Eric Hendricks. Mm-hmm. All right, bit of a quicker question from Alex. What is the most likely Chargers Saints joint practice fight without mentioning Trevor Penning? Um, define fight because like Cam Jordan's pretty mouthy, and so I think that he could get yeah. at it with, but in like a shoving, almost like positive way, you know, <laughs> just like really competitive. It's like him versus like Rashawn or something could be interesting. Um, but would Rashawn even like? I mean, he's so low key. I don't know if Rashawn would be one to like go out of his way to do stuff like that. You know, I don't know, man. If he if he threatens his turtle or whatever, like, <laughs> you know, say something about the turtle and uh... his turtle. <laughs> yeah, Alex said Keenan and Marshawn Latimer. I think like that would be an yeah. obvious one. Um, maybe Demario Davis and like Larry Roundtree or something like that. <laughs> no, I can't have. <laughs> Oh, what is that? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll have mad respect for Larry Roundtree if that's what he wants to do. I feel like when it comes to comes to training camp fights, it's almost always like pass rusher tackle or receiver corner. Like those are the two yeah. groups that are always like yeah. the most vocal. Who's the interior guy for the Saints? I can't even think of one. Interior defensive line? Defensive line, line yeah. Uh, they just got rid of like everybody. So like, <laughs> Kalen Saunders, the guy who used to be on the Chiefs, he signed there. Yeah. So maybe that's something there. I could see like Joey or Khalil giving like Derek shit, even though they don't fight. But I, I could see you know old enemies or old friends too. 
Um, but that's not really a fight. Yeah. Um, Rye Guy TV, appreciate Rye Guy. He is apparently sending us some more hot soft stuff, so appreciate that. He wants to know, do you guys think the Chargers will be getting alternate helmets? I don't think this year. I feel like we would know about it if they were going to be doing something, although the Lions did just announce theirs today, and it looks pretty awesome, but I don't know. I feel like they, I mean, they kind of have to. Didn't the Chargers basically hint that that was the case with the the anime release and LT? Yes, but we've never heard that that's like official. And I don't know. Maybe it's in the works, but they're gonna do it. <laughs> they got to pay for the El Segundo, you know, practice facility. Yeah. So I, I will gladly contribute to that by buying a helmet. Yeah, I'm sure they can plenty afford that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably never get a Justin Herbert interview. <laughs> I mean, that's what I that's what I guess I would have said about Telesco, but for different um, reasons, though. He, right, um, he's a busy guy, so. I'll wait him at training camp, and if he says hi back because he thinks I'm a random fan, which I am, then that'll be the closest we get to an interview. Yeah. Uh, appreciate Matt in the chat here sending in a super sticker. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, Dion Spicer, what does the running game look like? So lots of uh, – obviously, we did a whole thing with Sean about the passing game. What kind of influence do you think Kel Moore is going to bring from a rushing attack standpoint? Apparently, GT counter, if you look at uh, Brett Coleman's video. So that, I think, I am very fast. I just, I'm very fascinated. I said as much with the episode with Sean. I don't know what this blocking unit really looks like for the Chargers when it comes to their tight ends, when it comes to their fullback. So, you know, you're watching the, even just, it was a run-heavy set. The set was a passing play. But you saw, like, two tight ends that are good blockers. And they had their sixth offensive lineman in the backfield. Um and I just don't know what that assignment looks like for the Chargers right now. I don't know who to assign to each role, really, outside of maybe like a Donald Parham. But, yeah, I don't know. You are you would know more about the run game specifically than I would here. Yeah, in terms of the schematics, like I think the, the focus is obviously on finding like a true identity with Kelmore. Like I, I said this throughout last season. If I felt like after Rashawn got injured, they were just kind of experimenting with different kind of concepts throughout the year. Like they had, they knew that they could run duo and power stuff to Zion and Trey's side, but it, it didn't really click with them for the rest of the whole unit until it was really too late, you know, in, in the season. So there was no true like identity. It was a lot of experimenting last season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, under Frank Smith, it was very clear, like, we're going to run outside zone, we're going to run inside zone, those are going to be our core concepts, and we'll branch off of that from there. Um, They really added and emphasized counter throughout the season. um, And that was something that they got away from this past year. So, you know, maybe that's kind of speaks to Frank Smith's influence, but Kellen Moore has a very specific, you know, rushing attack preferences, where it's a lot of zone, it's a lot of, you know, fast moving runs where you're trying to get the running back on the move quicker and downhill faster. So you've got to be 
really on your uh, cues as an offensive lineman. You've got to be able to be physical and fast off the football. Mm-hmm. That's something that Rashawn Slater has talked about. And you've got to get, you know, north and south in a hurry. So, you know, I, I think Austin Eckler is a really good fit for what he wants to run. I think Joshua Kelly is a good fit for once he, what he wants to run. Uh, the biggest curiosity is how Isaiah Spiller fits into everything overall. But, you know, Texas A&M didn't really run a whole lot of zone. They were They were pretty gap and power heavy when he was there mm-hmm. um so it's just i'm curious to see how that part works out but i feel great about eckler i feel great about joshua kelly getting into year four and i think just like the overall emphasis on the run game is going to be more improved with kellen moore and doug nesmeyer mm-hmm. okay we've had three questions about quentin johnson uh predictions for his rookie season what did Christian Watson have last year? Are you looking that up or you want me to? I'll look it up. Um, so Christian Watson, because like he did have a couple of like the three touchdown game. I don't think it's going to happen for Quinton, but so he finished with 41 catches on 65 targets, 611 yards. I mean, obviously they invested, you know, a good amount in Christian Watson last year with the Packers, but I don't think he was I, – mean, I don't know where he finished on the team in terms of targets. But I almost feel like like that kind of – because he was not a priority early. And then he kind of broke out, had a lot of yak opportunities. Um, some big games, but for the most part, like, you know, finished with 611 yards. Maybe that? So this past season uh, of the rookie class, which last year was a a pretty solid rookie class, Mm -hmm. um, there were nine receivers who had more than 50 targets last year. Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jahan Dotson, and Traylon Burks. Um, You're looking at, from a yards perspective, Wilson and Olave are the only ones who hit over 1,000. Drake London and George Pickens each got over 800. Christian Watson, who you just talked about, 611 yards and seven touchdowns. Alec Pierce, 593 yards, two touchdowns. Jahan Dotson, 523 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, Traylon Burks had 444 yards and two touchdowns. So, like we've talked about, if somebody gets hurt, then obviously Quentin Stock is going to go through the roof, right? Because he's going to be the number two passing target with Justin Herbert at quarterback. If everybody stays relatively healthy, I think like best case for Quentin Johnson is like 60 catches, 600, 650 yards, like six or seven touchdowns. I think like best case, if everybody stays yeah. healthy, I feel I feel like that's kind of a realistic outcome for him. Yeah, I'll, it depends how much they throw it. Um, in theory, this offense should be so specifically good for someone like Keenan Allen that they really are probably going to feed if he's healthy, like they're going to feed him a frick ton. So, I mean, I think that could even take away from it. 800 yards. I think Alex LD Bruin um, are pointing out that's a lot. But then if, if you're factoring in injuries to the other players, then potentially uh, Palmer had what? 750 or something last year. Yeah. Do, 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 
I have last year Palmer at 768. And that was with him being wide receiver one for extended times. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think the ceiling is like 800. What was 2021? I'm genuinely hoping. 2021. Keenan had 150 targets. Mike Williams, 122. Jalen Guyton, 46. Josh Palmer, 45. Maybe we see some kind of similar split between like Guyton and Palmer in terms of targets. You know, I, I think you're probably looking at more, more than that for a first round pick. But in terms of like the percentage of targets, maybe we see Keenan around 125, Mike around 110. Quentin around 70, Josh Palmer around 50. I think that's that's feasible if everybody stays relatively healthy. Yeah. We'll see. It's such a diverse room for them, too, because it's like not that he's going to take a ton, but, you know, Darius Davis might get 20 targets, which is something the Chargers have not had a, a sixth guy just walk in and, and command 20 targets as just their random sixth guy. So, you know, I don't know, 850. Some of you guys are really, really, really hoping Quentin has a great year. If, if Quentin Johnson has 850 as basically wide receiver three, then you can, I mean, you're feeling pretty good about that. Like to me, if he passes like 600, I'm happy because he's supposed to be wide yeah. receiver three. Um, so, and, and really target number four and a half, potentially when people, we were just talking about Gerald Everett potentially having a breakout year. It's like, you know, where does the targets come from? You know, who, who's the feature here? So We'll see, but but Kellen Moore does do a lot of three wide receiver sets, so he'll be out there a ton. Yeah, I think like we'll do official prediction, like official official predictions. But I think like right now, I would lean towards like fifty catches ish, seven hundred yards, and like six touchdowns. And I think I I would feel really good yeah. about that rookie season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Couple more questions. Um, LD Bruin, if Miami gets Dalvin Cook, he says he'd love if they got Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson as a number two or number three running back. I mean, I'm looking for a home run threat kind of guy. We have been for a few years, so I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, What do you think is more likely, them going back to a, you know, veteran type? I guess they they both are. But like, you know, your Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, or someone who's more you know, most are Jeff Wilson type. Are both of them healthy? Right now, but both of them have strong injury concerns yeah. and have had them for the past few years. I think I if Zeke, if we get to training camp and Zeke is still unsigned, I could see that being a legit thing. But also, mm-hmm. like, there's still been a lot of conversation about Zeke heading to Dallas or back to Dallas. Oh, I don't um, know I don't know, man. I, it, it's tough for me because, I mean, even Kellen Moore has spoken very highly of Joshua Kelly. Like, this team really likes Joshua Kelly, man. I, I don't think they I don't think they think they need a, an upgraded RB2. I think they they trust in Joshua Kelly to be that guy. And so then it becomes RB3, you know, who's playing special teams, who's going to be kind of your pass-protecting back, maybe your short yardage guy. I don't know. I, I think they're kind of, I think they think they're kind of set at running back right now. Uh, yeah, I think so too. And I, I don't mind the group. 
it'll definitely lean more and be more about the scheme and the play calls and the tendency and the health of the line. So I think they're fine with the, I think they're fine with the group they have, honestly. And everyone wants like the veteran guy upgrade, but to be completely honest, all those veteran guys that are, you know, rushing based upgrades aren't actually upgrades. Like their stats are declining dramatically. They're older. So I I think they'll want to get it done with the guys they have. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that's it. Did you see any others you wanted to address? Um, we can go one quick last one from Francis over under a QJ having four and a half plays over 50 yards this season. That's, that's an interesting one. Is there a way like to see who had that many to begin with? Yeah. I assume so, Mike Williams had more than that, but I think I can do receiving. So on know. PFF, I'm looking right now. We can look at their longest play, right? Because like they have in terms of runs, they have explosive runs on there, but there's mm, not that's what I was looking for, for explosive passes, right? So they have receiving depth. Okay, so I can at least find 20 yards. Do they have longer ones than that? No, they only go to 20 plus. Okay, so the most receptions over 20 yards was Tyree Kill last year with 19. But again, that's that's 20. So a big difference between 20 and, and 50 or 60. Can you look at last year and see how many Mike had and Jalen Guyton maybe? Okay, so like 2021, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So in 2021, excuse my pro football focus loads. Oh yeah, you see that Packers guy by the way. Say uh, Christian Watson has a higher ceiling than Justin Jefferson. Excuse me, who said that? <laughs> you haven't seen it? It's like it's just it's, it's a thing on Twitter right now. Go check it out. It's fun. Um, okay, so in 2021, I I would have gotten this wrong. Mike Williams had only 11 catches only. 11 catches of 20 or more yards in 2021. That's surprising. Keenan Allen, eight. Jalen Guyton, just three. I, could, I definitely know two of them for Guyton. What's the third one? 14. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly would have thought Mike Williams had more than that. I uh, Sorry, I just found the, the take. So he says, Christian Watson has a higher ceiling than Justin Jefferson. And then he responds to it and says, tail of the tape, height, Watson, weight, Watson, speed, Watson, acceleration, Watson. That's not tail of the tape, my guy. That's physical measurements. Uh, (laughs) And then he went to say um, he has a a higher physical profile, which is true, I guess, than Randy Moss. So, I mean, I guess technically he does, but... Come on. What a take. Um, yeah, so for Quentin, I think you have to take the under at this point. Um, 50 yards is a lot. Mm-hmm. I think if we had limited this to like 20 yards, I think that's a different conversation, maybe. But uh, over 50 yards, that's a lot. <laughs> J- Jalen Rager takes. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Appreciate Alex in the chat today. Uh, yeah. Glad that he is uh, over at Chargers Wire, continuing the the GAC CW, uh, you know, crossovers. So doing some great things over there. 
Um, all right, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out? No, nah, that's it, man. Uh, we won't be here on Saturday doing anything. So our next episode will be on the Chargers Network on Tuesday. And yeah, I got to do CPR training tomorrow. So hopefully I can get, uh, <laughs> hopefully I can pass that. You will. It's super easy. Okay. Yeah, I've had to do. I have to do it like every other year. So. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So yeah, that's gonna do it for us. Like Tyler said, um, no show on Saturday. Uh, we'll have a usual Chargers episode on Tuesday, and then our regular stuff uh, either next Wednesday or next Thursday, and then back to normal next Saturday after that. So uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in today. That's gonna do it for us. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up.